Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for 3CR's Look at the Australian Film Industry. And as I've been saying over the last few weeks, there's been a plethora of Australian films, good films out there for you to catch up with that are made by Australian filmmakers, all varied. And this one that we're looking at today is called Emu Runner, which is set in Barawuna country, com- community. I pro- I've said that really badly, Barawuna community, which is in uh, uh, northern New South Wales, I think it is. It's uh, a- an isolated area. And it's a story about community. Uh, And uh, I had a chat with uh, the first-time feature writer-director Imogen Thomas, who worked with community to make this uh, feature. Uh, And uh, I figure I'll let her do the talking because uh, it all comes out, what the film's about, uh, why it's a good idea to go and see it, and it's starting its theatrical release uh, around tonight, in fact. So you should, uh, in town here, and you should go and look out for it because it's a fascinating film. Thanks very much for having a yarn with me about this film, Emu Runner. Can you first give us some background to how this film began? Because I know that uh, your earlier film, Mixed Bag, was a very important stepping stone towards making this film. So can you explain to our listeners what that was about? Well, um... The first time I went to the community was um, back in 2003. Yep. Um, I was engaged uh, to um, execute an arts project um, with a women's shelter called Arganya in the community. And at that time, um, uh, I suppose it sort of threw me right into the community life and I firsthand sort of... Um, sort of saw um, the challenges of um, living in a rural community in isolation as well as some of the, you know, the social issues and um, disadvantage um, that that community and um, faced. And I suppose that was the beginning of my engagement, but it was also the beginning of um, some very long-lasting friendships. And from that moment on, I sort of maintained those friendships. And one person in particular that, that I engaged with was was um, Frame Barker, who runs the Indigenous Preschool. And um, we decided that um, in 2008 uh, to make a short film in the community and the idea was 
to engage a broad cross-section of the community, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, um, and thought it would be a really positive process. And, um, and that proved to be the case. And taking the film back to the community, mixed bag, and um, the sort of incredibly warm and um, positive reception to that film, I suppose, spurred us on and um, made us um, start dreaming about um, a, a longer-form narrative, which um, is Emu Runner. And when you talk about community, you're talking about Barawarana community in New South Wales, or what we call New South Wales? Yeah, Barawarana is in northwestern New South Wales. Uh, if you can imagine, it's about uh, 815 kilometres from Sydney. So, yeah, it's it's quite a remote community. Um, I suppose the next major hub would be, you know, Dubbo. You know, that's um, in the sense of a big regional town. Um, so, yeah, it, it is very remote, but... Um, it's a very special place, very spiritual place. There's a lot of cultural history there uh, that, you know, is really quite magical and uh, something that we should all sort of uh, cherish. It's a uh, meeting place, isn't it, down by the river there? Uh, it, uh, the, the river is very significant for the, um, for the Indigenous tribes of that area, the Nembar people, uh, it's Nembar country, and, um, uh, you know, the river was a... a Food source, you know, food source, as well as being a place of, you know, uh, where tribes came for a ceremony. There's birthing sites, there's initiation sites in the area, and there's um, the fish traps. So, you know, it's a, one of the um, oldest um, man-made um, uh, structures uh, that we we have. So, it's it's a very remarkable place. And, and significant. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so one of the things that's so significant about uh, Emu Runner is that it's actually from the point of view of the Indigenous community and particularly a 11-year-old girl. So that's pretty fascinating in itself. Yes, look, when I was developing, um, again, uh, Frame Barker um, was my script consultant um, when I made my short film. And again, she came on board with Emu Runner. And, you know, there was lots of um, many conversations about deciding, you know, which was going to be the most engaging uh, perspective to um, look at this um, theme of loss and grief, which for these communities happens on such a profound level and, and affects not only, you know, just the individual, you know, close at hand, the family, but... You know, the community at large is, you know, impacted and, and as is the region, you know, it really sort of ripples out um, to everyone. And I think it, it felt like a really pressing story to tell. And through a child's lens, we thought it would just um, provide an insight that um, would really be able to engage people. Uh, what I've noticed is in doing this program and uh, interviewing people who are uh, making these uh, great films like Emu Runner about, uh, uh, from the point of view of uh, uh, First Nations people in our country, in this country, <coughs> is that uh, the generosity of the and sophistication of the uh, uh, First Nations approach to the uh, purpose of making the film and how they are so good at. Uh, bringing on board people with skills. Is that what happened for you? Uh, I would have to say that, you know, this film, you know, was absolutely made with and for the Bawarin community. Um, in fact, uh, 
you know, we had tried, well, I had tried to go through conventional pathways to try and finance the film. And um, while I had had some uh, traction, I wasn't able to do that. Um, and it really was um, uh, after the visit of Mary Waits, who um, plays the grandmother uh, in uh, Emu Runner and is the grandmother of Rake High Waits, who's our lead lady. Um, you know, she came and visited me and we caught up you know, many times, but in this instance at the beginning of 2017, you know, we were, as we were catching up, she was sort of, you know, telling me about how everyone's going in the community. But she also um, sadly told me of someone who had died who had been sort of connected to the project. And it really shattered me. And she then turned to me and said, so when are we going to make this film? And she said, you know, it's so important for healing and, and bringing community together, these, you know, these practices of um, creating something together. And I really had no reason why not to make it and with that in mind you know I had a little bit of finances myself but I knew that it was once you know I'd had that invitation I, I really needed to forge ahead and make it and I straight away talked to the community um, the um, uh, you know, uh, all the stakeholders in the community and they were all behind it as well and so that in, in, a, in a way made it a lot easier um, knowing that the community were behind it. And and I have to say, all through the production, <laughs> when we ever came to a problem or, you know, we didn't know, we didn't have, you know, the resources for something, the community w were incredible in responding. They were lateral thinkers, they, you know, and it, it, would, be, it would be sorted. And um, that was an incredibly generous gift to this um, this process and I think it shines in the film. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that people who should go and see this film, uh, they should buy a ticket and they should go and see it, is that this is a very uh, important message and profound gift that uh, these people are giving to uh, the general community. It's an important message. It is and I, I think that that's the thing is um, through each process of the film production, post-production, I really feel like um, I'd be more of a facilitator of uh, of getting their story out uh, mm. to the, the broader community. And, um, you know, it's had a wonderful journey. And, you know, I suppose, you know, when we set out to make this film, it was really custom-made for their community and it was about delivering it back to them, which we did um, last November, which was an extraordinary experience um, in uh, the, the Barwana Town Hall it was just a thriving, uh, you know, um, room of life. And then just, you know, the lights went down and, you know, the, the first image came up and just that concentration of the whole, you know, this whole room full of people was really um, extraordinary to be a part of at, at that moment. And, and again, just the positive um, reaction to the film. Um, and, and I guess I should jump in here and say that I'm not telling people that it's a bitter pill to to see because in fact in fact the film's actually very it's a it's a lovely film. Uh, how did you get such intimate uh, connection and uh, get, give us uh, such a great point of view from an 11 year old's uh, eyes? That would have been quite tough in such a, a remote community. Tell us about how that happened. What was your well, approach? Uh, again, you know, we had an audition um, process and the audition process really was um, um, 
a call out to everyone in the community. Um, whatever way you want to be involved, um, put your name down and we'll find uh, a job for you. Um, as I said, you know, this was this whole project's been predicated on goodwill, uh, and so um, that also happened with the casting. And you know, initially, uh, I met uh, Mary's granddaughter, um, Rakai Waits, and you know, she'd never been in front of a camera. She actually didn't come to the first wave, uh, the first auditions. Um, it was uh, probably the second audition um, that I held, and she came along, and. I guess one of the things with an audition process that I thought was really important is to bring the camera in very early. And what I discovered was uh, her performance in front of the camera was uh, incredibly... She just wasn't affected by the camera. It didn't alter who she was. Oh, that's interesting. And, yeah. And um, very, uh, you know, early, I mean, as she discovered... Um, uh, you know, she'd never been in front of a camera or been asked to do such a thing before. So, yeah, it was a huge leap for her and an incredibly hard work too um, because of the, you know, filmmaking is hard work and uh, to have to create a scene, you know, you're constantly having to repeat uh, that scene multiple times to get the coverage. And uh, as she said to me, you know, we both had birthdays during that week and she wrote me a card and she said, um, thank you for casting me. And then the next line was, it's really hard work. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it is really hard work. Um, and we had lots of times where we felt really pressured and exhausted. And um, and I also for this young girl, she had a lot of uh, family members that were also around her. And so it really did take, you know, not only the team of film professionals supporting her, but, you know, a family and a community. They really rallied behind her and that really helped her to get over the line and to to, to complete the film. And uh, one really interesting um, thing happened with Ray Kai. We had to go back and do pickups. We, we had shot the film in winter, so it was quite mild weather, but we had to do these pickups and... Um, it was uh, it was incredibly hot, you know, 45 degree days, and um, you know because I had to have continuity with costume, you know, she'd had a leggings and a jacket, and oh. you know it was it was a bit crippling. Um, yeah. Anyway, the scene was I needed this shot of her uh, falling asleep in the car as she drives back to town, and uh, I explained that to her, and and, and she sort of turned to me. Um, it was a late afternoon, but it was still blisteringly hot with that western sun sort of uh, cutting in on us, and she turned to me and she said, Imogen, I can't pretend to be asleep. I'm either awake or I'm asleep. And I said, okay, well, just if you can just relax and... <laughs> So we did about four takes of going up and down this dirt road of this shot, particular shot, and just the movement and you know the the warmth in the air. She just fell asleep and she had a very busy day, and it was quite ironic that that was how that that particular shot played out. Um, and uh, but it's everything about her because even though this isn't her story, it's a fictional film. She can so much relate. To the themes that it addresses, and it, you know, it, she brings that to the performance, um, and I think it's got that beautiful subtlety there for everyone to experience, and, it, and it's quite heartbreaking at times too, how she delivers that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a 
There's certain shocking elements to it. I mean, when the uh, authorities uh, start moving, you know, I was actually watching and I thought, oh, no, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) It can only end in tears, Um, (laughs) which was the point of the film, in fact, Uh, one of the points of the film, uh, which is why people should go and uh, see it. It, It's got a fantastic ending, I thought, and it was was great that uh, Wayne Blair uh, threw his hat in the ring too. Yes, look, another gift to the production. Uh, he um, read the script um, and thought he really thought there was a lot of potential there. Uh, took a huge risk with myself and and just made uh, made it work. He was at that time shooting Mystery Road and his schedule was incredibly tight, and uh, you know it was very tentative if he could commit. Um, but he did. He made it, he he moved mountains to make it happen. And what he brought to the community, you know, he's an incredible professional, not only as a actor and as a director, but but just um, coming on set, he just has such presence. But also, he has you know he's a professional. He has a process. And for all those non-professionals from the community um, who suddenly found themselves you know in the deep end, and it's a very sort of confronting thing to have a camera in front of you and to have to sort of put your emotions out there and seeing someone of Wayne's caliber um, taking those risks, it, it quickly made it a very safe place for the, the other cast members to also invest and really um, engage. Oh, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? And the other thing that was really interesting about the script was, of course, it was an answer to the uh, outrageous attacks on uh, Indigenous men uh, leading up to the uh, uh, intervention. Yes. Well, I think, um, you know, again, I come back to the development of the script with Frame Barker and... Uh, one of the things that we both felt really passionately about was about um, trying to uh, challenge stereotypes and also about um, creating different um, images of men in the media. You know, she was very passionate about this and the idea which we had with which had come from also finding this thing with about the emu. You know, it's, you know, the father emu that uh, incubates the eggs and it's the father emu that raises the chicks to adulthood. And having this um, parallel narrative um, where we have JJ, played by Wayne Blair, also having to step up and take on the role of sole parenting at a stage where he's grieving himself, himself, he's trying to make ends meet, and, you know, for us, it was very important to have a really positive uh, role model there, um, but also to sort of reveal maybe some of the prejudices about, you know, uh, uh, that he was facing, you know, in his community, uh, both Indigenous and, and non-Indigenous, you know, um, that he had to face to prove that. And uh, I, I, we both felt that was really important um, to... Um, delve into that. It was really good, it, uh, um, I, and also the role of the uncle too. It was yes. a very interesting supportive role. Yeah, well, that role is played by um, again uh, Ray Kai Waits's uh, grandfather, Lindsay Waits, oh, and yeah. 
you know, he was <laughs> quite, um, how, he's a very reserved man, and, but he said, look, I'll, you know, I'll do it, you know, but I knew it was a real challenge to, to take on the role, but I think he's quite magical and he sort of, um, he sort of walks through the narrative. Um, he's, he doesn't necessarily alter things, but he knows exactly what's going on and what needs to, um, to happen here. And, um, and his relationship with country and how he imparts his culture to his um, uh, niece in this, in this case um, is, is very touching at moments. Yeah, there's something really uh, uh, extraordinary about uh, watching this film because of the way the people tell their story and the way they interact with each other and how they interact with the... Uh, environment there's it, it, it's not really exaggerated nothing's exaggerated everything's about the uh nuanced uh difference or gentle change you know what i mean it's like the river or something it's really interesting the way the people operate and i was really that scene where valerie valerie and her father where she's saying no don't take the uh clothes away that was such a powerful scene right? it was really terrifically done yeah, again, um, a, re- a remarkable young woman, um, Letitia Boney, uh, again, never been in front of a camera, terrified. Um, but, you know, I, I guess from the early stages, I just said to her, look, um, you know, we're going to have to do scenes sometimes over and over again. It'll be very challenging, it'll be exhausting. Um, but I just want you to know that any criticism or adjustment I make it's not a personal criticism. It's just about to say to you, I have your back and I want you to perform the best you can. And she is. She's remarkable. She stood up and she, you know, she it totally uh, committed to that scene in such a way which has made it a very powerful scene between her uh, character uh, and her father in that scene. Yeah, yeah, it's really terrific. You've had a lot of, uh, I mean, it's getting a theatrical release and that's why I'm talking to you now, but uh, it's been shown in other places. Can you tell about tell us about the reception? Well, uh, the film uh, had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival in September of last year. Uh, and um, that in itself was quite quite extraordinary yeah, it, it gave us it gave us a, a deadline um we'd you know been working quite hard on it and because we had very limited resources um you know every stage um presented new challenges um but uh we were people uh, did people show you goodwill they would have been helpful surely oh absolutely absolutely yeah. look my the, as soon as i made that commitment to mary in uh, 2017, the beginning of 2017, I just, it's, it's interesting once you make a decision, you just realise, well, nothing's going to phase you. So if a door shuts, you just got to go find another opportunity, you know, where a door might open. Mm. And that was pretty much always the case. Um, and things just presented themselves. And, and again, it was the, um, one of the programmers from Toronto had come to Sydney and Screen Australia had made us aware of that. We had um, just uh, completed sort of, um, uh, I wouldn't call it, yeah, it, it was still a roughish cut. Mm. It was um, not graded. It had no sound mix. 
But I, I guess um, at that stage, um, I had nothing to lose. And I said, yeah, of course, we, <laughs> let's present it. Let's present it and see what they have to say. So I didn't really give it much thought. I was just open to the um, possibility. And then uh, very shortly after that screening, um, the programmer, Jane Shirtle, came back to my partner, Victor Evert, who also produced the film, and said, I love this film. I couldn't get Ray Kai's performance out of my head. It's touched me to my core, and we would love to have it in Toronto. So we went, oh, okay. Um, So that just, as I said, it it sort of gave us a new lease of uh, energy, and we just worked very hard to get the film uh, ready for that deadline. And as I said, you know, when you've been spending all this time in little rooms, you know, by yourself and with an editor and colour graders and all sorts, you know, know, finessing this um, uh, product... um, to suddenly find yourself uh, at the, in this world stage, and uh, I also took Mary Waits came along to represent the oh, community, great. Good. and we stood there together, you know, in this huge uh, cinema, beautiful cinema, and sat down together and watched this film. So it was very emotional for both <laughs> of us um, to suddenly, you know, watch this film on the big screen with a, you know, a, a room full of strangers. And the reception was incredibly warm and positive. And, uh, yes, uh, we, I mean, we, we felt like a very small little vessel on a, you know, a very big harbour. You know, there were these incredibly huge productions with you know, celebrities and all sorts. But um, our, our, our film held its ground there and it really commanded a lot of attention and uh, respect, which we were thrilled with. And, and just to be able to share the film um, with a broader audience um, is something very special. Thank you very much for talking to me. Um, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. On Thursday 28th of November at 12pm, environment groups and communities from across Victoria will peacefully rally together at Parliament to call for urgent action for our natural world. After five years of the Andrews government, nature deserves more, especially in the face of climate change. Victorians need new and better funded national parks, stronger nature laws and better protection for our threatened forests, rivers, beaches, oceans and native plants and animals. We need real action for our natural places and wildlife now. Join in the Nature for Life rally. Bring a sign to highlight the natural places you love that deserve better protection. See you on Parliament Steps, Thursday 28th of November at 12pm. Look for Nature for Life rally on Facebook and visit Victoria National Parks Association website vnpa.org.au forward slash rally. The NPA is a 3CR supporter. And that's the end of Showreel this week. Uh, we were talking to Imogen Thomas, who's the uh, writer-director of a lovely film called Emu Runner, which is getting its uh, theatrical release. Uh, it'll be in cinemas tonight. So get down there and have a listen and look. Uh, coming up next is Published or Not. We'll go out with uh, Bridie King Bono.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.